a weekly podcast from Grant Thornton Public Sector. Join the FedHeads each week as Robert Shea and a celebrity guest host talk about the arcana of government management and the people who are working hard every day to improve it. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 202 of the FedHeads. I'm Robert Shea. And I'm Doug Crisitello. It's great to be here with well, you, Robert. Welcome back. I can't believe you came back to do another one. Oh, this is this is the zenith of my life right oh, here. That's the saddest <laughs> thing I've ever heard. So you and I have been, um, throughout our careers, working at least in part, trying to get government organizations to do a better job, setting goals, outcomes preferably, and driving their organizations towards achieving them. But it's a constant challenge. It is. And it, importantly, I would also throw in there and budgeting for those objectives as well. That's Effective right. Effective budgeting is a key piece to this puzzle. Of course, you'd mention that, uh, one of the world's budget experts. Today, we've got Richard Beck and John O'Brien, two folks who actually wrote the book on performance management, Engaging the Organization Effective Performance Management, Translating Vision into Results. Gentlemen, welcome today. Uh, we're looking forward to y'all telling us how to get this done right. Thank you very much for having us. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Richard. So why don't you um, set this up? Tell us what made you write the book and what it's all about. Well, I retired from federal service about three and a half years ago. And, and in trying to get organizations to use performance information in actually making decisions, and also being an old budget guy myself, so Doug would appreciate that because yeah. uh, that's what I did mostly at NASA. Uh, you know, there there were there were things that I did to to get the organization engaged and get involved. And and one of the things that I found was particularly when I got to the Interior Department, well, we were chasing after about 600 performance measures. And then uh, for my feeble mind, that was a little too much for me to be able to handle. Sure. So once we narrowed it down to some 200. Uh, key performance indicators. And then when we started doing agency priority goals, which were even fewer in numbers and they were very focused, what I found out was the organization you know, came alive and they started to engage. So I wanted to put forth some of those ideas uh, and they really stemmed also from, um, from a dissertation research that I did ages ago on how do you get experts to collaborate with each other. So John and I came up with these three main management principles and they had to do with facilitating involvement across the organization, exercising active rather than passive management, and realizing where less can be more. And, and I kept those things in mind as the office that I, was, that I was managing as we were doing planning and performance across the Department of the Interior, and that seemed to work. So I, I figured I wanted to see if I could wrap all of that up in a book to be able to share with others so that for those who come to an organization and say, oh my gosh, how do I get these people to do this? Right. I want to give them a guide of, of how all these performance management practices work together and how to implement them so, so that you could get a process going or a system going where the organization would actually engage in the use of the performance information. Yeah, that's fascinating to think about ways of getting experts to collaborating and then extending that to getting program offices to collaborate, but also across agencies. It seems that a lot of what we're trying to accomplish in government right now extends beyond the single silo of a particular department or agency. So it's a terrific model that you've developed. Well, thank you. I mean, that was one of the things that I noticed. I mean, when I, I did my dissertation research, 
what I started to realize was is that, well, experts, they do want to connect with each other, but as managers and leaders, we have to give them the opportunities to allow them to connect. And once they do, boom, everything really starts to starts to flourish. And, and I don't want to keep harking back to you know something I did a long time ago, because these are principles then that I took into such projects as, I mean, for a while, I worked with the White House on helping to merge the civilian and military weather satellite systems. And what we found out was when we were doing that was rather than dividing all the tasks up and distributing them, if we brought the participants together and gave them sharing roles in it, we found that the project, for a while at least, kept better on track and there was more collaboration. They started to work with each other and such. So um, so these are the kind of principles that I brought when I, you know, when I was at NASA, when I went to Interior, and that's how we got the organization to start to engage, is that we made sure that the potential participants, their interests were being represented and that we could bring them together, so much so that you know we could have leaders defining goals, we could have technical experts defining whether or not those goals would work, and if we could make those communication mm. connections, then we started to have that kind of coordination and collaboration. John, is there a, an experience in your career that pops out in the book that you'd like to share to help enunciate some of the messages you're delivering? Absolutely. Thank you, Robert. And Doug, thanks for having me. Um, I currently teach a class at the National Defense University on strategic planning, performance, and budget. Uh, I've been doing it for the greater part of a decade. Uh, many, many, many students. These are active uh, duty military officers and civilian DOD, as well as federal uh, agencies, including the Department of the Interior. Some of them, I think, worked for Rich Beck because they complained about him to me. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I would have to say, I I basically, my contribution to the book centered around two main points, telling the story. The students didn't really understand what that meant. They always get wrapped up around a lot of details, pretty charts, PowerPoint slides, all of that stuff. And they forget how it is a story. And it, it, it has to be a passionate story about an organization made up of real people that wants to achieve good things. And doing that, the second point is they have to be able to tie a linkage together between the mid and we all know these terms, the mission, the vision, the goals, the objectives, the measures, the initiatives, and as Doug says, the budget. They have to be tightly linked. So if you make a change to one, you should see a sort of a daisy chain, if you will, effect in, in others. Oftentimes, they don't understand that. Some of the uh, documentation that I have reviewed for the class has problems in that area as well. So those two points, telling the story, get some, getting some passion into it, and being able to link all of those artifacts. And I do use that term, artifacts, performance artifacts uh, for an organization. Both of those blend together to make an effective performance management organization. Well, and there's a lot of linking to be done here, right? So when we think about the plethora of data that's available to government organizations right now and delivering services most effectively, you know, we need to be sharing data within departments, again, across departments and across levels of government as well. I mean, did that factor into your thinking about delivering uh, results here? Well, most definitely, one of the things that I particularly found when I mentioned about, you know, going from like 600 performance measures at Interior down to 200, at least at the strategic level, I mean, programs and projects still have what they need to, you know, project managers, program managers, they have what they need, but to try to get leadership engaged, 
when we went to 200 performance measures, you know, we had to find a way to have measures that were, I call them key performance indicators. So they would basically range across a collection of factors instead of going through each individual factor. Because if you try to get the leader of the organization to do all that integration by him or herself, well, they're not going to do it. You have a staff to put that together. But so what we did was we tried to find those key indicators and the kind of displays that would give leadership the perspective on what was happening performance wise. And then what would happen is, is that they would start to catch up and they would say, oh, wait a second, what's this going on here? And then we start to rope them in and then we would drag them into the boat, as I would say. And then we would get into the lower levels of detail as they were needed. But we only got into those lower levels of detail where we needed to to be able to fix a problem, to be able to um, to maybe engage leadership because, you know, we know, I mean, the folks who do technical implementation, well, they've got the tools, they've got the nuts, the bolts, things along those lines. But sometimes you need leadership to go and work things across organizations to make a deal with somebody else to make those connections. Drag them into the boat. It's a beautiful metaphor for bringing people to the performance management water. Can you help us bring this to life? Are there specific real life examples where the clouds parted and you, you got an organization really excited about focusing on the kinds of outcomes that we, we know are so important? One of the things that I would go to was when we started doing agency priority goals. And at that time, the Secretary of the Interior had mentioned what his top five priorities were. And I took those priorities and went to to the assistant secretary who was responsible for each of them and said, okay, here's your opportunity. Can you identify a particular goal or particular aspect of achieving this priority that you would wanna focus on, that we could use it as a lightning rod and get the organization behind? So for example, in, in Indian affairs, one of the main things that they were doing there was is that they wanted to reduce violent crime. And that was one of the goals or at least that was one of the goals that the, the Assistant Secretary of Indian Affairs came up with to go along with the Secretary's priority for reconnecting with Indian communities. That was our indicator that we started to use. And, and then you know we set goals, or at least they set the goals associated with that. They set the targets and then went off to try to implement that. And what they found was as as folks like um, the director of law enforcement and Indian affairs, as he would go out to other organizations and even to tribal communities and say, hey, look, this is important enough to be on the Secretary of the Interior's radar screen. Um, then they started to get excited about it because they knew that they were getting some kind of recognition associated with it. And then they knew that it was important. And then we would start to see the results that we got. And, and we ended up with, a, in a lot of cases, with reductions in, in violent crime in several um, Indian communities. Now, Sorry, all of them, but at least in the ones that, that were targeted. Yeah, it's interesting. kind of what you're looking well, for? Well, you mentioned an appointed official, right? The Secretary of the Department of Interior. Is there a need for speed when you're thinking, given the expected tenures of political appointees, does that, is there a temp temporal aspect of performance indicators who we need to accomplish the fouling in a very specific time frame? Well, that's the agency priority goals had that two-year time frame in them. Oh, okay. And so, and so that kind of helped keep people focused. Yeah. And, and you're absolutely right. I mean, there are some things, you know, when I was at NASA, 
I mean, a lot of the goals, we'd be covering you know, five, 10 years, something along those lines. So you would have to try to break it down into a more digestible piece or increment to be able to keep that attention going. So yes, there is a temporal factor involved with that. What I ask for in um, my students' papers, typically uh, when they get to the end, when they're doing their conclusions and, and their, result, their results, and then their conclusions, is I just ask for a short-term, medium-term, and long-term calendar. Mm. And I basically say to them, in simple terms, tell me what you want to tell your boss if you took an elevator, you know, the proverbial elevator speech, and you had a minute with your boss, what would you want them to do in the next 30 to 90 days, in the next year, in the next three to five years? It makes them think a little more analytically and uh, align in terms of buckets or pockets. But what I would like to add is one of the uh, teaching tools I use in the class is the movie Moneyball. I love that movie. Yeah. I happen to be a baseball fan. <laughs> Myself and I, after going through it and studying the script, reading a lot of the publications around it, there's a lot of poignant aspects to that movie. And we literally spend a class, a lesson, dissecting it. And I, I, I have them look at things like cultural change, uh, resistance to change, changing measures, that type of an approach. So, Doug, I guess, you know, one of the ways I would answer your question is nothing is carved in stone. There's no measure that cannot be changed. There's no objective that cannot be looked at from a different angle. You have to pay attention to are you moving that needle? And if you're not moving the needle, then you need to do something about it. I think that the power in this, and, and John brought up some of this, is that, you know, you, you see the arrows on the front cover of the book, the top down, bottoms up. And the idea is, as we're connecting leaders, the leaders come in with these goals. And you're right, they have like, oh my gosh, I got four years to try to get my goals in place. If I can communicate those goals down to the technical workforce, and then get the technical workforce to respond to those goals and say, well, we could do this and we could do that. You know, here's how we can implement such and such. We could here implement um, something else. If we get those goals defined in that kind of interactive discussion between leadership and the technical workforce, and then get from the technical workforce, well, what measures would help us get a sense of whether or not you're making progress? And they're going to give us what they think is most important. And then we use those to kind of keep track of what's going on and feed information back to leadership as to how things are going. And once we have that conversation going back and forth, now everybody's starting to use the performance information for what it was meant for to kind of help, you know, the to go along and to, to give information for the decisions. That's where the data comes in to, to give the decision decision makers what they need to know about what am I going to do in this next budget process? What am I going to do as I move ahead? And if I may add, one of the aspects of the book that Rich and I are proudest of is that scatterplot chart, the four quadrants chart. Now, that's not supposed to be the be-all, end-all. We realize it's not perfect. It's not going to give you all the answers. But as um, Don Moynihan pointed out, um, dialogue is the key here, just talking. If the scatterplot does nothing else, it's a piece of paper that you can point to at a meeting and you can just engage in good, robust dialogue. Why is this not working? Why is this working? What, what do we need to do? Where do we need to move the chess pieces? Too many times what I've been seeing and what I hear from my students and what I see is that dialogue just doesn't exist. So we're about out of time. You've both made an enormous contribution with this book. You've also witnessed the evolution of performance management maturity in the federal government at all levels of government, frankly. What 
one thing, if you were king for a day, would you do to move the ball even further down the field? Oh, boy. I mean, I, I mean, I think one of the key things I would do is kind of go along with the agency priority goal, you know, construct is that make sure that the lower levels of your organization have those levels of detail, have somebody in between, and these, this is your analytical staff, to go through the, all those details and help figure out what are the key things that I need to give to leadership to help provide them the information they need for their perspective, which is the, the entire organization, not just the individual programs or projects. So I would try to make sure that we have those resources in place where we have the analytical staff to help basically bridge the communication gap between the lower levels of the technical workforce and the leadership so that they can can talk in terms of what data is specifically needed to, to help make the right, bringing the right level of data to the appropriate management level. John, what about you? If I was king for a day, I would say live the plan. Strategic plan, performance report, balanced scorecard, strategy map. I've seen them all. Whatever you write has to be livable. If all you do is put it in a three-ring binder and put it on the shelf, which a lot of military people tend to do, then it's a waste of time. You have to live it. Your senior leadership has to know that plan. They have to understand everything about that plan, what's important to it. The meetings they go to have to be related to that plan. That's the key. That's great. Without that, it's just shelfware. I just wanted to point out that there's been a King Richard, there's been a King John, there's been a King Robert, at least in Game of Thrones. Never been a King Doug. Hmm. Hasn't happened yet. <laughs> what, what, what a fascinating observation. Well, thank you both, gentlemen. Doug, good being with you. Great to be here. Uh, the book is Engaging the Organization, Effective Performance Management, Translating Vision into Results. Congratulations on the book. I uh, hope people pick it up and put it into practice. Thank Thanks you. Thanks a lot for having the discussion. Appreciate it. Great stuff. Thanks for listening to The Fed Heads, brought to you by Grant Thornton Public Sector. We'd love to hear from you. Connect with us on Twitter at GT Public Sector to join the conversation. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on new episodes.